I want to do a, a two-part series called Dying to Be in His Presence. And I'd like to read, first of all, from Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 10 for three, three verses here. The children of Israel have been released from Egypt. Pharaoh finally let them go. Moses is leading them through the first part of the journey up into the sea that stopped them. They couldn't go any farther because of the sea. And then they look behind them, and here's Pharaoh coming with his army to either kill them or to take them back to Egypt. And so it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That's what the people were saying to Moses. And so I looked at that and I said to myself, these are people that God has promised all the way through Abraham, then Isaac and Jacob, and then through Joseph into the present time where there's a promise from Moses now that God wants to take them out of their slavery bring them through the wilderness and bring them into the promised land. And in that promised land, there's freedom. The thing was, these children of Israel who had been in Egypt for 400 years, so many generations after Jacob had come down to Egypt and Joseph had come down to establish a place, they had forgotten what freedom was like. Slavery was normal for them, even though they complained about it and they hurt under it. And it says that God was concerned about the slavery because they hurt so much. Here they are now wanting to go back to Egypt. And we'll see all the way through the recount of Exodus into Numbers. We see that through those times in the wilderness, there was this lack of understanding of what it meant to be free. They only understood slavery. Now, I look at the church today. I've been in ministry over 40 years, and I see in the church people living without God's promises being poured out on them. And they don't understand the freedom that they could have with God's promises. Rather, they're still bound by things of the world. They're still bound by fleshly desires, seeking for pleasure from the world, from fleshly things. And they've never understood what it means to be free from the things of the world that promise us, us pleasure and good life and to actually experience the pleasure and the good life of God's kingdom. A large percentage of the church 
has never experienced that. I'm convinced of that. And so what do we have? We have a God who has said to us, if you will let go of your old way of life, I will come and start to pour out blessings on you. Most of the people in our country that are church people, especially the evangelical people, have heard of the promises, have read the scriptures, but yet it's never really settled into their spirits that they can enjoy a pleasurable life, a, a life that maybe has trouble, but peace and joy in spite of those troubles. God never promised there wouldn't be trouble, but he did promise if we walk with him, obey the two commandments that Jesus gave, that he would give us peace, and out of that peace would come joy. Even the psalmist said, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Romans 6 talks to us about the key for this. Romans chapter 6 is the water baptism chapter, the first number of verses up to about at least verse 10. He's talking very specifically about water baptism. I understand water baptism to be a physical expression of what we have done. We have died to the old way of life. We have died to what we want. We have died to the whole Egyptian thing of living for the world, looking to the world for our pleasure, looking to the world to give us peace and satisfaction. We have died to that. It's not working. Our country is, is tormented with fears, with sickness, disease that brings unrest and anxiousness and turmoil and depressions, hospitalization. I'm not saying Christians will never be sick. I do say that Christians can have a peace and a joy through the whole thing because God is with us and we're living in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, not of our own making, not righteousness of the law that the Old Testament Pharisees lived, but a righteousness that comes as a gift from God because we've been obedient to him. As a result of that righteousness, there's peace and there's joy. Three times through Scripture, that order is repeated. Paul to the Thessalonians said, the peaceful fruit of righteousness is joy. Melchizedek of the Old Testament, but talked about in the book of Hebrews, king of righteousness, king of peace. And of course, out of that peace comes joy. So Romans 6 says, I want to just read verse 6 and 7. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So I'm not going to talk about water baptism. That's for another day. But we understand that I've died to my old way of life because of what Jesus has done. I'm dying to the way I want, just as Jesus at the time of the cross said, 
It's not what I want, Father. It's what you want. And when I commit myself to saying, Lord, it's not what I want in life. It's what you want. I want to fall into your plan. I've often asked people that I'm counseling with that are troubled and turmoil, but in church most of their lives, I say, even though you're a Christian, you still kept control of your life. You wouldn't give up the past. And you managed your own life. And then I ask the question, how's it going? And most of them will say, it's terrible. I'll say it's because God wants to control your life, not in a dictatorial way, but in a way to give you guidance, give you, give you wisdom and understanding. He wants you to use your brain to, to follow him, to do what he's calling you to do. And so he says, we need to have crucified all the things that I want. I crucify it, Lord. I don't want that anymore. I crucify it, Lord. I put it to death. I go into water baptism. That's my burial. I come up out of that water. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The seed of the Father is in me. I'm now his child. And you see, he's trying to say to us in verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. I like the old King James says, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Consider it to be done, but alive in God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin because you're not under the law but under grace. And so God is saying, if you want to live a full and complete life, you've got to let go of your way and allow me to come into your life. And the, the, the word that started to be used in the Old Testament after many generations was lordship. They prayed and saw God as Lord. That means I am, I am committed to you. You give me the instructions and I will obey you. That makes him my Lord. We can't rebel on the one hand and still call him Lord. That's a contradiction of terms. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm talking about this because I want to give you an idea of what keeps us from being in the presence of the Lord. In the many years that I've listened to teachers, read books, watched DVDs, listened to tapes, many of them taught on being in the presence of the Lord. For years, I couldn't understand why. I would be alone. I'd shut my office door. I'd hold the Word of God and read it and talk to the Lord. Why can't, why can't I, I experience the presence of God like I've heard so many people say? I begin to understand that until I take the first step of dying to what I want, why should God commit himself to me in friendship if I belong to something else? If I still belong to my old flesh and do what it says, if I still belong to the enemy and yield his temptations and, and do the things that separate me from God instead of uniting me. And I began to understand the reason why 
I was not entering into the presence of the Lord was because I was still in charge. I was still in charge of me. I'd ask God to forgive me for my sins. I fully believe he had. I fully believe it. I actually asked when I was around 29, 30 years of age to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was. And I had the evidence of that talked about in, in the book of Acts. And so I know that there was a, 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 a progress towards God that changed my life. But I still struggled. How come these guys can say they sat in the present and there was goosebumps all over and fire came out of heaven and lightning? All oh, I'm exaggerating a bit. But you understand what I mean? And I remember one day preaching in a church and I was preaching on something like this. And I said, I know you people have heard those messages. How many here are having trouble? Even though you've heard the message, you're having trouble of being able to be in the presence of the Lord. I would say about 80% of the people put up their hand. The other 20% didn't want to admit it. Maybe there's a few who had. And as I looked at myself and realized that my problem is that I was still not calling him Lord. I still had control of my life. I was still doing what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going out sinning. I wasn't robbing banks. I wasn't killing people. I tried to watch my mouth and didn't speak against people. Especially, I tried to do all the right thing. But I still was in charge of my life. And one day I was spending some time with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I want to know what's keeping me back from really just on an ongoing basis, not just the odd time here or there or there, experiencing your love and your closeness with goosebumps and all. I just want to be in your presence. I want from morning to night, from night to morning, just to, even if I wake up in the middle of the night, to know that I'm in your presence, to sense that peace and that well-being that comes from being in your presence. And that's when he spoke to me. I still remember the day I was praying, and oh God, answer my prayer. I'm sick and tired of trying to get into your presence, trying to woo you or draw you or manipulate you into coming and, and blessing me. What is, what is wrong? And the Lord said to me, He said, are you willing to let your wife go? If I took her home, would you be willing to let her go? And I froze, because my wife and I, are, we have a good marriage. We still have today. At that point, we've probably been married at least 20, 25 years. And finally, out of obedience, not because of feeling, but out of obedience, I said, yes, Lord, if you must take her, I'll still serve you. I'll still love you if you do. And then he didn't let me go. I have four boys, and we enjoyed our boys. We still do. Now we have daughters-in-law that are precious, grandchildren that are precious. And again, I had to say, oh, no. The Lord said, if I took them, would you still serve me? And I'm not in my feelings, 
but out of obedience to the Lord. I said, yes, Lord, I will let go. I will let you have whatever you want. You can take me if you want. Take my home, take, my, take the ministry we're working on, do anything you want. I just want to be yours. I want you to be master of my life. I want to submit myself to you. I don't want to be led by my flesh, my feelings, my all earthly desires anymore. I want my desires to line up with your desires. I want my heart to line up with your heart, whatever you want. I want to seek your kingdom first, not my kingdom. And it changed something in me. It took weeks, maybe months to work it through, correct things, listen to the Lord. But he finally, I began to experience, not just in my personal life, but in my home. We've had people say, there's so much peace in your home. When somebody who isn't a Christian says, there's peace in this home, I know that God dwells with us. I'm not boasting. It's something he's given us. But I had to die to get his gift. When I died, I didn't earn what he wanted to give me. When I died, then he could give me his gift of peace and joy. I just experienced a stay in the hospital last year, 2015. Oh, how I thank the Lord that even in the night when I would wake up feeling rotten all over because of the surgery and the, just the, 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 the sense of weakness and helplessness and the enemy is right there. You'll never get better. You'll be an invalid. Margaret's going to have to push you around in a wheelchair all your life. Praise God, I, you know, I'm not in a wheelchair, thank you, Lord. Just came back from the gym this morning, pumping some iron and doing some biking. He was a liar, but you see, in that time, I could just talk with the Lord, and I knew his presence there, and, I, and you could literally feel the whispering of the enemy to be driven back because of the presence of the Lord. Why? Because I have been through the time when it's not what I want, Lord. It's what you want that I want for my life. And I thank God for his gift. I haven't earned it. It's his gift that he gave to me in order to be an overcomer. Romans 12, one and true. Romans chapter 12. For years when I did a lot of youth ministry, A lot of the young people would say to me, Mr. Ellis, I just, I want to serve the Lord, but I just don't know what he wants me to do. I just don't know. And I say, well, keep praying about it. I might have even told them to fast about it. But I know something else now. Let me read it for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so 
If young people ask me today, I just don't know what God wants. I'll say, there's two steps here that you have to look at. The first is that you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Think of an animal in the Old Testament that was being sacrificed. It was on the altar, had absolutely no say of its destiny, no say what it wanted. It didn't say, I feel uncomfortable here, or I don't like what, it had no say. Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, that's the way I want you to be. I want you to be a place where you say, Lord, I have no say in what you want me to do. I will simply say yes. If you call me to the worst nation in the world, I'll say yes, because that's where your peace and your joy will be for me. I'll say yes. But he says, I don't want you dead like an ordinary sacrificed animal. I want you living. That's why he calls us a living sacrifice. And he said, if you're a living sacrifice, you're giving up all the junk of the world, all the stuff that says, here's how you be successful, or here's where joy is, here's how you can make money. You're giving all that up. And you're saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You're being transformed. I have made decisions to let God control me and not my flesh or the world. That's a renewed mind. When you make a decision, God's in charge, I'm not, the enemy isn't, God is, that's a renewed mind. Then God says this, he says, halfway through verse two, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's your answer. You see, if I'm holding on to what I want, I'm living by what my flesh says and going with my feelings and my emotions and making decisions out of those things. God says, I'm not going to tell them what my will is because he'll either say, no, I don't want that. That doesn't suit me. Or he might say, well, I'll pray about it for a while. No, listen, if God speaks to you and says what he wants you to do, we simply say, your Lord, yes, I will. You don't ask your bank account if you can afford it. You don't ask your people around you if they mind if you leave. You simply say, this, yes, Lord, you will work out the details. I will obedient to you. And God says, when you're in a place where I can trust you to call me Lord and do what I ask you to do, then I will tell you what my will is for your life. And his will is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. It says so right there. Its will is good and pleasing and perfect. What more do you want from life? In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. In part two, I want to talk about entering into his presence because we have dealt with the first big obstacle called I'll control my own life, the old flesh. We've dealt with that. Say, Lord, I want your will. I don't want mine. I want to do what you're calling me to do. I don't want to do what I think I should be doing or what the world tells me I should be doing. And when you've done that, then we can say, Lord, I'm ready to come in. So, Father... You said to us, Lord, from Matthew 10, 
Whoever finds his life, if I hold on to my life, you said if I find it, I'm going to lose it. But Lord, you said, if I'm willing to lose my life, my life, then I'm going to find it. I thank you, Lord. You're such an awesome God. I want to be like the grain of wheat. The Bible talks about if I'm willing to die, I can produce much fruit. That's in John 12, 24. Some translations call it the kernel of corn. But listen, if it dies, it can produce much fruit. If it doesn't die, just stays it. If you don't die to what you want, you just be there. If you die to what you want, you can produce much fruit. The gospel is quite simple, actually. Put God first in your life. Start treating other people the way you'd like to be treated. And the Lord said, I'm going to start increasing your fruit. Father, for everyone who's heard this, I pray your Holy Spirit will smite them deeply in their soul so they can fall on their face in forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.